Well, tonight we're going to dig a little bit deeper in this passage, and I believe we have a couple runners, all right? And I believe that is Adam Hoshiko. Did I say it right? Well, that's not, that's not Dutch, is it? No, no okay. <laughs> Adam Hoshiko and uh, Lucas Christian. They have some um, mics here for you. And so what I'd, I'd like to do is, let's just advance that slide here. And for your reading pleasure, here's the text that we had this morning. Now, obviously, we will not be breaking this completely apart tonight. We will condense it. But before we move into the more condensed version, um, are there any observations, applications, thoughts that stood out to you this morning that you would just like to bring into conversation with one another? Pastor Jason's going to lead us off. All right. Thanks, Adam. So for those of us who were not here for whatever reason, I'm curious if uh, those people who were here could summarize the main idea of the passage in one or two sentences at most so that we know what we're talking about here. One or two sentence summary of the main point of the passage from this morning. Anyone want to attempt that? One or two statements, one sentence, summary. We could flip it right. Okay, um, we have uh, Katie Jones. Sorry, my brain. Thank you. Paul was basically talking to two very unself-controlled people about self-control. Yep, good. I see Matt Sally over there. Who's going to go after Matt Sally? Anyone at all with a raise of hand so we're all prepped? Be thinking about that. Matt, what do you got? I say it's Paul fulfilling the commission the Lord gave him by evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Slowly fade back over to Jason because he started this, so he's got to finish it. Anyone else? Quick summary. Then we'll move into other things. Anyone? Okay, let's head over to Pastor. Oh, did I see a hand over here? Oh, wait, over here. Barbara. Sorry, I didn't see it, Barbara. Paul was fearless in presenting the gospel. He wasn't worried about what was going to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very bold. Anyone else? Pastor Jason, what do you have? Well, if you were to summarize it in a statement or two. Well, I wasn't here this morning, and that's why I was oh. asking. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You were in Ann Arbor. I was in Ann Arbor. It was not at the basketball game. I wasn't uh, fooling around there. We were visiting a a potential church plant for our church to support there. So that's why I'm curious to say what if you know because every passage of scripture could be summarized as long as you're willing to do the work right and understand Mm -hmm. it in one or two sentences. So just curious what people had to say. So so did people do pretty good there then based on your studies and everything? For the most part, yeah. Okay. You're going to grade them by by accuracy or we'll grade them in the staff meeting on Wednesday. Okay. All right. I think for me, what really stuck out is Paul talked about repentance in salvation and faith in Jesus Christ, that faith in Jesus Christ fundamentally transforms our lives. For this couple, obviously, it was self-control, morality, righteousness, and coming judgment. Now, for some of us, that, that approach might have had some different words in there, all right? Galatians chapter 5 had a bunch of them. But salvation ought to fundamentally transform our souls 
in our lives because uh, the gospel does not preserve the old self. It creates a new creation. All right, with that being said, any other observations, applications that stood out to you other than summarizing? Okay, we got Mike Guest over here. And uh, anyone else as they're going, be thinking about that. Mike, what do you have? And then Ozzy behind him. So I'd be interested to see if we cover it tonight. But one of the things that there wasn't time for this morning was how he schooled the religious leaders. Mm -hmm. The people who came with false charges, he didn't back down from them. He stood his ground and... Uh, they they were furious. They are furious. So yeah. it's going to be great to see where that goes. Okay, yes, we will not be covering that tonight. Um, Ozzy, what do you have? It's not good to be on Jerry Springer. No. No. You get a call from a show similar to that, you know that the, your, your, the, your near future is about to blow up. What do we got? We got Luke over here. Observations, applications, thoughts. You know, many times when we see, and this person was Jewish, usually of a, at least I've heard, or or as far as I can observe in prior uh, studies together, there's this honorable feature of that person being in the story. And without really digging into into the meat of this and beyond in the context, I don't think any of us would have caught that but when the scripture states that there has to be some meaning for it to be there so we need to be curious about the context before we skip over it yeah i don't know about you but knowing the backstory to felix and drusilla just it completely explodes in a good way why paul is saying what he is saying and how it applies to our lives Anyone else? Uh, we got Steve over here. We got Dave over here. First one wins, and we have Garrett. The three amigos. Just uh, in Spanish, thinking, Paul. In case you didn't know. In, um, no, what do you got? Thinking about like the, that idea of those two individuals struggling with the self-control and all those things. I mean, you think about how the gospel just gets to the to the heart of what we're struggling with. Like I, I just thought of the rich young ruler, where Jesus talks to him and then says, "Well, sell all your things." And it says he goes away dismayed and discouraged. And in one sense, it's either you respond to the gospel in the sense of, I'm excited and I'm gonna, I want to embrace this, or you go away dismayed because you just, you just realize where your heart is and where your yeah. idols are. And uh, so with them, it was self-control. With the rich young ruler, it's you know, greed, and it, just, mm-hmm. it exposes your heart for what's there. Yeah, he didn't need to be instructed in immorality and self-control. But his love for money, yeah. But the but the message fundamentally stays the same: transformation. Uh, who is next? Uh, Steve. You really want to live your life in such a way so that you're never a sermon illustration. Correct. It, are you saying that towards Felix and Drusilla? Oh, okay, okay. I, I was like, I don't think I brought anyone up this morning. Joe Biden and Mike Pence. Which, by the way, was the biggest, apparently the biggest pressure point of my sermon this morning. That was interesting. I thought it was pretty benign. But who's next? Garrett. Yeah, I was just, uh, Felix's response, both of their responses is, I'm going to delay my, my reaction to what Paul just said to me. I'm going to say, go away, and I'll come back to this. And just the sweeping under the rug and the not facing the sin that's very clearly called out in front of them 
um, even as a believer, that's a, a challenge to me too, is sin comes into my life. What do I do with it? Do I delay my repentance or am I jumping on the opportunity to repent and address that sin in my life? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to piggy tail that to be transparent with you on my side of thing. I will give it a different name for, you know, I don't know if you have ever done that, you know, I just give it a different name that makes it a little bit more acceptable. Who, who's next? I saw, um, is it Dan Poling? Okay. Because of the gospel, Paul could stand innocent in front of guilty judges. Yeah, that's well said. Innocent before guilty judges. Anything else? Anyone else? Applications, thoughts, things that stood out to you? Going once. All right, let's break this apart, and uh, we'll do this together here. So what we're going to do is we're going to condense this to Mike Guest's dismay and eliminate much of the hearing. So, But, Mike, we did go through that on Wednesday evening, all right? But you were the Iwana commander, so I'm going to give you a pass. So you were here as well. So let's start out with this. We're going to primarily be in here. Now, when... Does anyone want to pronounce his name for me? I'm just going to call him the commander, but is it Lysias? Okay, not Lysol, Lysias. The commander came down. I will decide your case. This is a way for Felix, really. He's just putting this trial to an end without really having to say the words. Putting it end without having to say the words. Felix, in essence, is... If I could use a more contemporary term, he's, put, he's putting it into committee. Now, talk to me. This is a question. When you, want, when you put something into committee, what are you doing? Talk to me. Yes, yes. Kissing it goodbye. You are sending it to a slow, painful death. All right. And in some ways, I want to borrow, and, and Michelle's exactly right, I want to borrow that because that's kind of what he's doing with it here. The author, Luke, never indicates whether... Um, I can never say his name, Lysias, ever appeared before Felix again. We have no indication of that. Frankly, there's really no reason for him, for the commander, to do so. Because if we remember in Acts chapter 23, the commander, whose name I'm going to stop saying, all right, the commander actually wrote a letter about Paul, declaring that Paul was in every way innocent, and by the way, which was historically almost universally true, Felix would have read this letter out loud. It's one of the reasons in Acts chapter 23 that Luke's able to write the words, hey, the letter that that the commander sent sounded a lot like this. Based on your translation, it literally says those words, it sounded a lot like this, which indicates, at least historically, that they heard it and then regurgitated to the best of their ability. So there's really no reason to wait for the commander to come back because he already read a letter out loud declaring it's innocent. This is why uh, one of the reasons he did this is he's going to have Paul all to himself and at the same time kind of keep the uprising of the Jews to a minimum by not setting Paul free. It's a political move, all right? It's a political move. Now, therefore, he also used to send for Paul quite often to talk to him. Now, the term that I, that when you see here quite often, the term I want you to hear is this, as much as possible. As much as he could possibly have an audience with Paul, he sought it out. 
Felix brings Paul to him often, and the question here is why? Now, a couple of reasons um, we can look at here. One may, may be for stimulating conversation. And by the way, we will unpack that one in just a moment. But we're going to move from that one, having conversation, to another one here. And it was this, for the purpose of getting a bribe from Paul. To get a bribe from Paul. In fact, Luke just comes out and says it when he says this. I believe, let's click it here. Yeah, because at the same time, he was hoping to get some money that would be given to him by Paul. Now, it's important to understand that bribes are against the law in the Roman legal system. Bribes were unlawful, but were common practice in the legal system of Rome. So it was kind of a, you know, behind the scenes, fully expected to happen. So while they were technically against the law, they were common practice. And here's the point. Felix wants money from Paul to give him his release. And he will keep him there as long as necessary in order to get that money. Now, Paul actually mentions this. And this is what triggers Felix a little bit here as far as money. It says this. I came, yeah, I came to bring charitable gifts to my nation and, 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 and give alms and, and, and money and offerings behind the the smiley face there. I came to gain charitable gifts. Now, if you are a former slave, once a first slave to become governor and ruler and have authority over a province, and you have no self-control and you live for self, you're a hedonist, you're on your third wife that you stole, and on and on, you know the rest of the story, all right? And you hear that the gentleman you have in custody has access to large amounts of money. Now, I want you to think... Not as the Christians we are today who don't love money, all right? I want you to just think just humanly. What goes through your mind when, when you have someone in custody that says, I have access to large amounts of money? What goes through your mind? Anyone at all? I like money, I like money too. How could I get my hand into that? How can I work this out just a little bit? Paul's mention of this gave Felix the impression that he had access to large amounts of money, so Paul assumed, he assumed Paul could get more. In fact, we see that bait right into the text, and it's one of the reasons he gave orders to the centurion, yeah, in the, in the orangish-yellow there, he gave orders to the centurion that Paul be kept in custody, but, you know, keep him happy, because it's hard to get money out of bitter people. Keep him happy, let him have some freedom, and by the way, don't prevent any of his friends for providing for his needs. Now, why do you think Felix was allowing Paul's friends to go in and out? Why? How else are you going to get the money there? How else do you get access to those large amounts of money? By allowing Paul access to his friends? Maybe they could bring that bride, bribe, there it is, bride. That's a different context. Bribe. He so desperately wanted for Paul's freedom. So I want to bring something up here. Now grab this. Paul knew this. Paul's not dumb. Paul's very astute to Roman ways and the Jewish ways. He is a student of Gamaliel, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows that money greases wheels, and he knows why he is being brought up to talk to him quite often. And it is beyond having stimulating conversation. Paul knew that Felix wanted money, and he knew what he was up to. Now, let me ask you this. We talked about this briefly this morning. If you are in custody of an occupying force, and you can get your release in freedom by cutting a check from a treasury of offering that other people have given, what, what, 
what, humanly speaking, what are you going to do? Talk to me. Hello, hello. What are you going to do? Thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's very tempting. All Paul had to do was give his friends permission. They would have visited Paul with the money necessary to buy his freedom. That's all that needed to happen. Besides, to do this, let's just be honest, if we could rationalize just a little, it'd just be working within the existing system that's already there. This is common practice. All right? You notice how, you know, when I was talking to Garrett, sometimes I can rename things. This isn't a bribe. I'm not misusing this money. I'm working within the existing system in order to gain my freedom. On top of that, all right? Oh, and this is interesting here. Um, In fact, that's how the system worked. Even the commander who arrested Paul and wrote a letter of his innocent bribed the necessary officials to get his citizenship papers. We find that in Acts chapter 22, verse 28. Even the commander answered, I acquired my citizenship through large amounts of money. You bribed the people to get it done. Paul could have said, this is how the system works. This is how the centurion did it. This is how I have to do it. And then he could have rationalized it from there. In fact, um, Dan Poling brought this point up here in just a moment. He could have easily rationalized this as an opportunity to spread the gospel by getting his freedom through bribes. You know, yep, I have to do this brief little thing, but then look at the good that can come after that. It would, frankly, if I could call it, it would be noble in nature. Isn't it funny how we can hold evil in our hands and call it good? Isaiah talks about that. But Paul always tried to conduct himself with a clear conscience before the Lord. We see that in verse 16. I do my best to maintain a blameless conscience before God and before every type of person. And he's not going to engage in that. Besides the point, I kind of like this. Staying in protective custody of Felix is really not all that bad after you think about the last 12 days of his life. His last 12 days of his life, he's been beaten up. He's been almost torn to shreds. He was almost killed. He was arrested. His rights were violated. Um, He was stretched over the barracks. They were about to get, then they go back to the Sanhedrin. And and they had to interrupt because they thought they were going to tear him to pieces. And then he's arrested again. And then he gets an escort of 470 soldiers and all of this stuff. Staying in a palace is not the worst case scenario for Paul right now. For two years, Paul lived in I'm going to use the word relative freedom with the company of his friends who could go in and out as they pleased in an all-expense-paid protective custody of the Roman Empire, talking to the highest levels of political leadership about the gospel of Jesus Christ, something Paul could have never dreamt to do on his best day if it wasn't for God using his setbacks to set him up to do amazing things. Now, on top of this, Not only does Paul spend two years in here in productive custody, but many scholars believe that Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians could have been written in Caesarea. Now, those of you who went to seminary, Bible school, Christian school, home school, or whatever the case may be, you would often say, these books, so I don't have them up there, um, that they were written in Rome. Well, scholars disagree on that. The only thing we know about Philemon, Colossians, and Um, Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians, is that Paul was not free at that time and was under Roman rule. So it could have very well been in Caesarea. Historically, as far as dates occur, I would even push towards more likely. But all that being said, regardless in Rome itself proper or under Roman control in Caesarea, 
Paul will write several books of the Bible fully financed by the Roman government. I want to focus just briefly here and kind of transition with the words, go away for now. Go away for now. So I want to push a point we talked about this morning just a little bit further. This morning we talked about how the more we postpone conviction, all right, that God brings into our lives, it dulls our ability to respond. It dulls our ability to respond. That's Hebrews chapter 10. That's James chapter 4. I'm not going to unpack what I'm about to read here to you. I'm just going to kind of set it in front of us and allow our hearts to soak it up. So you can just soak it up. Here it is. Repetition has the ability to dull truth's potency. Repetition has the ability to dull truth's potency. Went on to say this. Those who hear the gospel for years and for years greet the gospel with a yawn show evidence of how repetition dulls the potency of truth. Now, there's something buried here in the text that we're not going to see, but truth be told, we do it all the time. So it's right there in the text. It's a, how many here have ever looked for something in the house and you can't find it and it's right in front of your stinking face? Anyone at all? You're shaking your heads. Would you like to describe the last object you couldn't find that was right in front of you? Glasses. Glasses. <laughs> Have you ever had them on looking for them? Yes. Okay, once. <laughs> Every, I, I won't even go into my stories. Anyone else? I, I've been looking for my cell phone while on my cell phone, telling Amy I'll be home as soon as I can find my cell phone. And she says, and I've told you the story. She's like, well, what are you talking to me on right now? And I'm like, I'll be right home. All right. It's right in front of us here. And I want to bring this up here. You see it in the words, when I have opportunity, it's in the yellow. When I have opportunity. Another, another, other versions of, of the Bible, um, different versions, I can't remember which ones it is. Maybe you have it. And raise your hand if it says this. When I have time. Does anyone's translation say when I have time? Rochelle's does, all right. When I have time. Have you ever approached God in his commands and his convictions and the minds, with the mindset, when I have time, I will do this? I don't have time right now? In many ways, we often know that this, this is a, a sad excuse for my life and yours. Now, I understand we're all busy. How many here feel like the more conveniences we get, the more busy we become? Anyone at all? I mean, it's... I. How many here, I was talking to someone the other day. Oh, who was it? It doesn't matter. I was talking about when Amy and I were dating. They said, well, why didn't you, why didn't you say this or do that or, or whatever? I said, well, this was before the internet. And they just stared at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, and this is before email. And this is before cell phones. Now, anyone under the age, a certain age is just exploding right now, all right? We couldn't talk for months sometimes in a, in, a, in a productive way. All of us are busy, is my point. I get it, you get it. But we are still in charge of how we use large amounts of our time. We are still in charge of how we use large amounts of our time. Felix felt the call of God in his life and he said, well, he became frightened and he said, when I have time. Yeah, he found tons of times to do other things, including two years to try and work for a bribe. All right? It's right there in front of us. 
He didn't have a lot of time to respond to the conviction, but he had time to work money out of Paul. Here's the question. How often do we dismiss God's calling in our lives and then find ourselves doing and spending a huge amount of time on things that have absolutely no eternal value? How many here have ever been pulled into the rabbit's hole that is YouTube? Anyone at all? I don't have time. Four hours later, you're watching how rabbits in slow motion can walk on water. I made that up. Or kitty cats. There you go. Here's the point. Felix is given an opportunity for spiritual advancement. I'm talking from a human perspective. He's given an opportunity for spiritual advancement. For him, it is repentance and salvation. All right? But spiritual advancement doesn't begin and end at salvation. It is our whole life. Just like repentance is both initial and lifelong. All right? All of us, every week, are given opportunities for spiritual advancement. Let me, let me unpack this a little bit in some ways in which I fail. And maybe by listening to how I fail, you might be able to see some of your own in different areas. Opportunities for me to set my alarm t- clock and get up early. Or turn in early at night in order to spend more time in prayer and more time with God. Yet rather than use that opportunity, I sleep in. Or I go to bed late and I say, when I have time. But I just managed my time based on my priorities. And my priorities were not that. Opportunities to read spiritually enriching books. Read the word of God. For me, I read the word of God all week long. And when I get done reading the word of God, I read books about the word of God. Then I read books about that book, about the Word of God. Then I read and listen to men and and, and women and all that stuff. But guess what I still need to do? Spend time with God. And rather than read spiritually enriching books and spending time in the Word of God, I find myself watching endless hours of law in order. I could be a lawyer, folks. And I say, when I have time, it's right up there in the yellow. Opportunities to budget our money. Opportunities to be a good steward. To give generously to the church and those who are in needs. To give and advance the gospel. But instead our porch are filled with Amazon boxes filled with American junk we don't need. And we say, I'll give more in time. Maybe it's an opportunity to be in church meeting with God's people. But we do end up doing less important things. And we will go to church next time when we have time. Now, I don't say that to be a wet blanket guilty conscience. I say this to say this right here. My friends, if we don't make time, we will never have time. If we don't make time, we will never have time. Here's what I want to pull up. Time must be managed. Here it is. Time must be managed based on the priorities we value most. Time must be managed based on the priorities we value most. Husbands, stop, turn around, and look at your family. That title at work is not more valuable than your home. Ladies, That dopamine hit you get from social media just because everyone can only like what you say is not a fair competition for your husband and our children and our church 
and our relationships. Amy and I try to get away. This isn't in my notes, so you guys... And I'm going to be a little bit transparent, but I promise not to open up too much scar tissue for us. You're trembling, I know. (laughs) Years and years ago, we ran around doing the things of the Lord. And we justified them and given different names and said we were doing good things. And, And I'll just speak for myself, failed to be a person of the Lord. And I realized I was using my time the wrong way. I have to. I have to. Manage my time based on the priorities we value most. Now, (laughs) Amy and I try to get away about every two to three months just to spend time with one another. Because on my deathbed, I know that what I'm going to regret is not that I made two more committee meetings where Michelle brought up where everything goes to die. I'm going to value the time I spent with my family and advancing this kingdom. That's where I want to be when I'm drawing my last breath. Seize the present opportunities for spiritual advancement. Or like Felix, you and I may find that after so many excuses, we miss the greatest advancement in our life and in our relationships. Moving past that, but Felix having a quite accurate knowledge here in the orange about the way, Christianity. Therefore, he also sent for him quite often to talk to him. Now, this almost seems like a a paradox or a contradiction in terms. Here's what I want to pull up. Felix enjoyed discussing Jesus as long as it stayed in the intellectual, cerebral realm. Aren't you glad as Baptists we don't keep Jesus in that realm? Can I get a witness on that? Oh, we'll turn everything into a Bible study. We'll turn everything into a word study if necessary, as long as it doesn't cause any heft price for us. It appears here that Felix was fearful when under conviction, but as his heart was dulled to the truths, he still enjoyed discussing Jesus as long as it stayed in the cerebral realm. Felix liked to keep things in the area that was safe, intellectual discussion. But when Paul started to get personal, such as, um, where, where are the three things? He, let's hit that button. I think it is. Yeah, right here. When he started to get personal, discussing morality, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, the discussion suddenly was too close to home, and it was ended, and he didn't have time for it. Here's what Felix missed. And truth be told, I think if we examine our own lives, I know when I look in the mirror I see this. We do this quite often as well. When it comes to dealing with personal sin, Garrett, you brought this up. When it comes to dealing with personal sin and spiritual advancement, Felix pushed it away. And so do we too often. We have been there and done that. Truth is, this, some of us did it this morning. Some of us did it this morning. If it stays distant and theoretical and made for discussion, we're interested. But truth be told, this is often true of all of us. Let us pray to the Lord, work in my heart as much as my mind. Then finally it says here, let me end with a short history lesson because we began with a history lesson, so it's only fitting that we cap it with another history lesson, and this will be brief. But after two years have passed, there it is in the green, Felix was succeeded, sorry, by Festus from Gunsmoke. Was, was he the deputy, Festus? Yeah. He was kind of a nutcase. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, 
left Paul imprisoned. Now I find this interesting here, and we'll be done with this. Festus was a better leader than Felix. Festus was a better leader than Felix. In fact, Josephus writes that, that Felix governed as a ruler with much authority, but with the intellect of a slave. Now, culturally, that, that rubs us wrong, but you understand what that means 2,000 years ago. He, he governed poorly. Felix, by the way, started disturbances. Festus prevented them. That's, by the way, that's, that's where stronger leadership is found. Someone who prevents something rather than creates something. Josephus tells us this. This move is because things in Israel were getting very touchy in Rome and Felix needed to be replaced. Felix was recalled, recalled by the Roman emperor. Only this time, the Roman emperor is not his brother's best friend, Claudius. Claudius has passed away around 54, 55 AD. All right? This is not Claudius who gave Felix his freedom. He has died. The new Roman emperor you may have heard of, he's a very loving and compassionate guy by the name of Nero. Imagine getting the letter, Nero wants to see you in Rome. (laughs) I'm going the other direction. The other direction is better than heading towards Nero, all right? Felix was being brought back to Rome by Nero where he would have faced severe punishment for his lack of control in Judea, if not almost certainly death. But let us remember that while Claudius has passed away, who is still the chief accountant to the public treasury? Who is, who is the chief accountant? Talk to me. It's Felix's what? He still has a lot of money. He still has a lot of power. If it were not for the fact that Felix had an influential brother by the name of Paulus, did I say that name right? Is it up there? Yeah, I'll get it later. Interceding for him to save his life, Felix would have almost certainly been executed. But because his brother went to bat, Felix will simply vanish from the scriptures and then slowly fade from the historical record. Bringing up the old universal truth and you finish it. It is not what you know, it is what? It's who you know. So with all that in mind, we'll grab the corner of this, we'll peel it back, we'll color commentate it, but really just read through it. I do my best to maintain a blameless conscience before God and before other people, even to the point of not giving my captor the bribe he so desperately wants. Now, after several years, I came to bring charitable gifts to my nation and present offerings, but Felix having quite an accurate knowledge of the way. After all, his third wife is Jewish. And he does reside over Judea. Adjourned them saying, hey, when the commander who's already, (laughs) when the commander who has already declared him innocent come down, then I will decide the case. The case has already been decided if we're waiting for the commander to speak. He puts it into committee. He kills it. And he gave orders to the centurion for Paul that he be kept in custody, yet have a lot of freedom and let his friends come in and out. Because at the end of the day, this man has a lot of access to money and funds. Verse 24. Now, some days later, Felix arrived with the beautiful 19-year-old Drusilla, his wife, who is Jewish and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ which is the umbrella of everything we're about to read from 25 on but as he was discussing not skipping the mind 
asking them to think. He's not making emotional appeals for surface level. As he was discussing the very last things this couple wants to talk about, righteousness, morality, self-control, and judgment, because the umbrella, having faith in Jesus Christ, fundamentally changes everything that you are, whether you're a rich young ruler like Dave brought up, or, or an immoral couple like this. The power of God until salvation does not preserve the old man. Because judgment is coming. And Felix became frightened. And he did what most people do in this situation. He postponed. Go away for now. I don't have time. How many times have we said those words? And I will summon you. I will summon you when I can keep it in a safe intellectual cerebral realm that does not touch my heart and my mind. At the same time, he was also hoping to get money. We went from conviction and salvation to self-advancement. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often. Paul knew what he was doing. For two years had passed, and Felix was recalled to Rome for Nero. But fortunately, he had the right brother. And wanting to mitigate and eliminate the as much problem as possible, he left Paul right where he was at. After all, he never got his money. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. May we study to show ourselves approved, hide it in our hearts so that we don't sin against you. Father, give us the desire to not be lazy with what you have revealed to us so that we might be transformed into your image. Start with me. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church family. You are dismissed.